Thank you, praise team. You folks be seated. Thank you so much. I want to invite you to take a copy of God's Word, and I hope you brought one with you. We're going to open up today to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, this will be our summer sermon series. That's right. We're talking about summer. That's right. So uh, we're almost there. Uh, but so today we wanted to uh, launch into the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to walk through that this summer all the way up until the start of school in August is uh, the plan for us. Ecclesiastes, as you're trying to find it there, it is wisdom literature, uh, I think properly placed. And so this is Psalms and Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes. Uh, many people, and perhaps in your Bible there, in fact, it'll say, in some of the footnotes or the commentary, if you have one of the study Bibles, it's going to tell you that Solomon uh, more than likely was the author, but that's highly disputed and debated. It seems like Ecclesiastes came around 3rd century um, B.C., and that's a little bit after Solomon, actually. So we're, uh, we're looking at this concept of maybe it's not Solomon, which is okay. It's still the inspired Word of God. The basic purpose of the book is this. It's, he, he's tried to figure out what life is about. And what's really you know, seems to me interesting about the book of Ecclesiastes, and one of the ways we sort of tie it to Solomon is this. This is not a guy that's sitting around reading books only and trying to figure out through observation about what life is about. But as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to notice this guy seems to have some resources. He seems to have the ability. So imagine this, like Solomon, if you had an abundance of wealth and you wanted to set out to answer just one question, what is the meaning of life? What this writer does, or records for us at least, is that he says we put these resources together with this question and we started spending some, some money to see, some coin to see if we could find the meaning of life. So if we think the meaning of life is this, we would go and we purchase that. If we think the meaning of life is to go on a trip, then we would buy tickets. And so he has resource, and he uses those resources in order to try to answer this deep, probing question that he has. So with that in mind, read with me, if you will, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I hope you found it by now. We're going to try to cover <clears throat> three verses today. Uh, three verses today, so we're just going to introduce the book, if you will, with me. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I hope you can follow along whatever translation you might have. Um, the verse reads in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. Uh, right there in the Hebrew, the actual word is koheleth. Uh, means preacher, and it actually, that's how we would define it, but it actually means one who speaks at a gathering, one who gathers people together and proclaims. So this is a person who is giving a report in some kind of way of what he has found, all right? Uh, again, many think that it, since it says the son of David, king in Israel, that has to be Solomon, but actually that could refer to a descendant in the line of David, which might be where he has access to his resources. In verse 2, there's going to be a, a various ways that this will be translated. Here's what the English Standard Version says. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So your translation might say meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Or maybe you've got another translation that would say folly, folly. Everything in life 
is folly. Or if you got one of those really more contemporary translations, in fact, the message would translate or paraphrase it this way and would say, smoke, smoke. Everything is smoke. The idea remains the same. The meaning of the text would stay with us here is this guy has explored the meaning of life using all the resources that he has at his disposal to answer that question. And he found that life has no meaning. So if you'll pray with me, then we'll be dismissed. I mean, you know, that's kind of the, the concept there for us is a bit <clears throat> depressing. It's a bit depressing. I mean, really, if this is your devotion time, we would say maybe another book next week. This is recorded in Scripture for us. A person with resource looking for the answer to one question. What? is life all about and he says here's my conclusion at the very start of the book right don't you love it when somebody instead of building up and then disappoints you at the end they just disappoint you right out right he says all of life is vain meaningless it's basically here for a moment filled with activity and gone verse three might cheer you up what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, there's, there's an expression there, under the sun, kind of, uh, if you will with me, this is going to come up a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes, so we want to dwell on this just for a second. Under the sun means on this earth in this time that we know. Under the sun and so he asked this, if you will, philosophical question, which scares some of us, but it's a question we want to wrestle with. What does all the toil that we toil in, what does all the things we do, what do all those things actually accomplish? We keep doing things over and over and over again. What does it actually do? Because we tend to keep doing it again and again and again. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, Tina and Sadie Claire, they're going to have a, a girls' day out, right? Going to do, go do some girl things. So I wasn't invited, and I'm grateful. Oh, it's good. It's good to do girl stuff, I hear. Don't even need to know what that is. But the idea, I had a day to myself, guys. Amen? Y'all ever had one of those? Had a day to myself. And I hit the floor, and this is, hey, I don't know how you men are wired, but here's how I'm wired, right? I woke up early with plans to rest. That, hey, that was my goal, right? I'm simply going to devote the entire day to just resting, to taking it easy, to doing whatever I want to do at whatever time I want to do it. And, and, you know, let's say hypothetically, eating whatever I want to eat. I mean, I was just going to rest was my number one goal, just not do much. But I had this thought, and I said, Hold on, let me, let me, I, I want to make sure I take care of just one thing because this, you know, you ever get something just on your mind and you say, Miss Pat, you say, I, I, got, I, need, I just need to do this or it's just going to haunt me all day long. So one of the things that I do, folks, is this, and, and people, people don't like this, people get uncomfortable with this, but this is me. So I look ahead in my week and everything that I am going to wear for the week if, to school or something like that, anything that I know is coming up, on Saturday morning, one of the first things I do is I iron every bit of it, right? And I 
hang it neatly in my closet, and that just helps my week go by. And so this Saturday, yesterday, I said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish all of that ironing. I'm going to get that one task. I'm just going to do that because it kind of is a burden for me to do that on Saturday. So I'm going to go ahead and get that done. So good news is this. I got all the ironing done, right? And when I got all the ironing done, by the time I did that, the sun was up outside. It was a pretty day yesterday, wasn't it? It was a nice day. And there was something else that hit my mind. I said, hey, you know, I've been meaning to do that one thing outside, and the sun's out in Mississippi. You never can tell how long that's going to last. And so I went out, and I said, I'm just going to do this one thing. I needed to pick up a few sticks. And, man, I can't stand, hey, with the lawn mowing and when you're running over those sticks. So I went through my yard, and I picked up every stick. I mean, every one of those things piled them all up, and the good news now, folks, is this. You can put on my yard because we burn those sticks up, all right? I don't have to worry about sticks anymore. It's all done. It's all gone. When I picked up the sticks, I realized there were some places I couldn't mow because of the big sticks. So I, I said, well, let me just get the mower out, and I'm just going to mow just a little bit and just get all that grass that's, that's not even. I'm just going to make it all even, right? So I got all my grass mowing done, folks, and so good news, I don't have to worry about mowing grass anymore. I'm free from that responsibility now. I'm done. I got it done. Burned up all those sticks, made sure that that fire's out. Don't have to worry about those sticks anymore. Everything's good. Realized that there's been a lot of rain. And my house is surrounded by some ditches, and so some grass had grown, some places I couldn't mow. So I said, well, let me just real quick, since I'm going to rest this afternoon now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spray Roundup everywhere where I can't reach with a mower. So I went through, and I sprayed Roundup, all right? I then went through and I said, hey, i got to weed eat some. I then realized that I had a few things outside that I needed to move some dirt around a little bit. have to do that, so I went ahead and got all that done. Good news, I got that stuff done. Had those, uh, those lights that go down our walkway. They need a new battery, so I replaced those batteries real quick. And So I got those and got those cleaned up, so those look really good. So everything's in order. We'll never have to do that again. I'll never have to do that stuff again. Now I'm done, right? <clears throat> Walked inside. Walked inside, and you know, and, and I don't know how it works at y'all's house. We, Tina and I and Sid Claire, we all share responsibilities at our house. There were just a few dishes from breakfast that were in the sink. And I said, well, I'm just going to wash these up. I can't stand dirty dishes. And so now I don't have any dirty dishes, folks. Looked down, and the little green light on our dishwasher was lit, which means the dishes are done. I opened that up, clean dishes in there. I said, well, let me just do this one thing. I'm just going to unload this dishwasher. So I unloaded the dishwasher. I got all the dishes clean. So now I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm done with that stuff. Finished with that stuff. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Looked down, and I saw that somebody had put garbage in our kitchen, in the garbage can, and it was full. And that gets on my nerves, i got to tell you that. And so I got that garbage out, and there's no more of that garbage. We don't have any more garbage at our house. It's been taken care of. Now, Tina said something to me before I left, and she knew now. Guys, she knew that I was going to rest. That was my goal. I was going to rest for the whole day. But apparently, she's noticed that, um, um, that I'm tall. And so she said before she left, she said, hey, just if you have time, you know, no big deal. Since you're tall, that was weird that she said that to me, Jason. Since you're tall, would you change out all the batteries and the smoke detectors? Well, I was changing out the batteries and the smoke detectors and realized we had a couple of lights burned out. So I went ahead and changed out those lights, right? I was hungry for some reason because apparently it was 5.30. 
And I said, now guys, y'all will relate to this. I said, I'm going to eat me a meal. I'm going to eat me a meal. And nobody's going to watch me eat it. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about, but nobody's going to watch me eat it. And I'm going to eat me a meal. And I went and I got me a meal so I would not be hungry ever again. And I handled all those things. Here's what I didn't get to. I got papers to grade still. But once I get those graded, I should be done, teachers. And Well, I should be done, right? With everything I just described to you, do you know that grass is growing right now? I can almost feel it. Can you feel it? I can almost feel. I know that at some point during the night, and maybe it's God, and y'all say he's got a sense of humor, I don't know, but the wind blew and it caught some branch someplace around my yard just right. And it blew sticks into my yard. I don't want to see that stuff because in my mind, I'm convinced of this. I'm finished with everything that I need to do at my house. Y'all ever feel like that? That you have tasks constantly? And that as soon as you do the task, you're just doing the task knowing you're going to have to do it again soon? Has that ever happened to you? Now, let's offend some folks here that are exercise fanatics. There's like two in here probably. So the idea here is this. This is uh, where I hang my clothes after I iron them. (laughs) What the preacher says in Ecclesiastes is a lot like this torture device. He says... Basically, life he's found from experience with his resources is that you jump on an exercise bike and you go and you go and you go and you go and you go. And then there's a lot of different theories about how to go. So some people say, hey, just be steady but keep moving, right? And some people say, hey, go fast and then go slow and then go fast and then go slow. And here's the idea. The exercise bike never takes you anywhere. It never takes you anywhere. And many of you are saying, oh, well, those two people in here that are, that are fitness buffs, they're going to tell me this. Well, no, you get fit. What the author of Ecclesiastes has found is this. Eventually, you get dead. Let me tell you how it's going to end for me. I'm going to die. You say, well, are you going to die a fat slob or are you going to die a fit slob? I'm going to die. We're all going out, folks. Vanity of vanities, the preacher says, all is vain. Everything that we have in this life means nothing. Say, whoa, 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 whoa. That can't be the message for today. He says, verse 2, vanity of vanities. From experience with observation mixed with resources. He says, I've tried everything under the sun. And here's what I found. I'm still missing something. I just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. Many of you say, well, I'm not sure that this is a biblical concept. Here's a biblical concept for you. In the morning, you will wake up, God willing, unless that other thing we talked about. You'll wake up, you'll get ready, you'll go, you'll go, 
You'll go, you'll go, you'll go. Some of you will then go and go and go and go and go and go and go. But eventually, you'll stop, you'll go to bed, you'll sleep for a little while, and you'll get up the next morning. You'll get ready, and you'll go, 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 until for some reason you stop. You'll go to bed, and then you'll get up, Lord willing. You'll go. This is what the, the preacher has discovered in the book of Ecclesiastes. It leads us, as you'll see in verse 3, I think it's, it's interesting. It leads us to ask questions. He asks a question. He makes this conclusion, vanity of vanities, verse 2 says the preacher, vanity of all vanities, all is vanity. That's his conclusion. But then he follows that with a question. And I got to thinking about that. He says, what does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And so that led me to three questions about the vanity or the meaninglessness of life. Here's what the scripture would tell us. I should ask these three questions because I understand that there is, and this is, this is my conviction that I would share with you today, there's something beyond the sun. There's something that's out there that's a greater thing than me just waking up and going and going and going and going to bed and waking up and going and going and going. There's something more than that. So we ask questions because it's supported by Scripture, encouraged by Scripture, that we would inquire about what's beyond the sun. Here's the first question. Question number one is, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I on the face of the planet at this point, this juncture in history, why am I here? Now, we fall into a trap, and can I caution you, church? Can I say to you that our culture seems to say that when we're talking about purpose and meaning, that it sells this idea, especially to younger generations, sells this idea that one day you will be an all-star at something. Can I give you a biblical perspective here? Some of us in this room will never leave Pontotoc County for more than vacation. And that's okay. Some of us will never move. Some of us will always stay here. Some of us, if we move, we'll move to a similar place to this and we'll do similar things than what we're doing right now. And that's okay. We're not talking about you being an all-star we're talking about you finding the meaning of life for where God has put you because he's put you someplace. So we ask this question, why am I here? Here's what the scripture tells us in verse 1. It says first that life is filled with toil. So I don't want to send you the wrong message. Sometimes when we preach on Ecclesiastes, people come up to me after the first couple of sermons and say, hey, I did it, I quit my job. Listen, whoa, whoa time out just for a second, all right? I'm not telling you to quit your job I'm telling you this, he identifies the reality. If you're trying to escape under the sun responsibility, it's not going to happen. I'm going to get me one of those jobs where I never have to do anything. How do you define job? That's interesting. Because a job is something where you are responsible for doing something. That's what it used to be. So he says that life is definitely going to be filled with toil for us, responsibility for us, and really the picture, like with exercise bike, is this. We're not going to escape that. 
You ever get on vacation, and some of you who are beach people, I don't know what's wrong with that, that's weird, but you go to the beach, and you know you got five days on the beach, and on that fifth day, you know it's your last day, and all you can think about is, it's my last day, it's my last day. Listen, that's called vacation, and vacation's good, praise God. We're talking about purpose and why you're here on the face of the earth. It's not so that you would vacation, but you're here for something more than that. So he says, life is going to be filled with responsibility. We're going to have to keep being responsible. Also, he says, all that responsibility under the sun is vanity. It's, it's basically meaningless. And there was someone, a very wise person once said, I can't get. No. Satisfaction. And I try. And I try, and I try, and I try. I can't get no. No, no, no. It's deep, right? Here's the idea. Life under the sun is not your purpose. It's not the source of your purpose. It's not going to be something that's going to bring you satisfaction. Well, if I, just, if I just could get this promotion, do you realize that if you got that promotion, you would want the next promotion? Do you realize that if you got, if I just get this car, man, if I just get that car, man, that's my, my, old, my old bucket of balls, man, if I could just get that new car, do you realize that, and this is the world's logic right here, you ready? When you purchase a vehicle and drive it off of the lot, when it leaves the lot, it depreciates in value instantly. Yeah? So the concept is you're not going to find satisfaction. If I could just, could just get, you know, just, just, just do this, maybe jump out of an airplane, man, that would be great. And listen, there's nothing wrong with jumping out of airplanes except for that whole parachute necessity thing, Right? But we're seeking for things constantly, and we're saying, if I could do this, have this, go here, be this, get that, have this title. Listen, life under the sun is not meant to be your eternity. I'm not supposed to do what I'm doing now for eternity. I got bigger plans. You get that? Why am I here then is the question that I want to get into. He also says this. We said life's filled with responsibility and toil. All that is vanity. That's not going to give us satisfaction in any kind of way. And I have, get this in verse 3. You see this? He has a desire for more. And what the author, the preacher here is going to tell you when you look at Ecclesiastes 3.11 is this. Every one of us in this room and every one of us outside of this room, think about that for a second, everyone has had this void placed inside of our heart. This is what sin has done. God filled that void in Genesis 1 and 2. Disobedience made sin create a void inside of us that is shaped like God. And so you and I, when we begin to seek out things and say, I've got this, this passion inside of me, one, recognize this, that desire comes from God. But two, that 
desire cannot be satisfied with anything you eat, drink, get promoted to, own, steward of, nothing. It can only be filled with something that comes beyond the sun. This is the picture of Ecclesiastes. Everything in this life, I've got to be careful. I can get distracted to think the most important thing in my life is this job or this boyfriend, this opportunity. There's something more. There's something more. So he says this, God's word presents a purpose beyond the sun. And if you have your study guide there in front of you, number one, why am I here? Here are a couple of passages for you. I invite you to consider this. We're just seeing the evidence, this evidence here. Here's what it says, Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. I can tell you about that. I got lots of plans. But it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So wisdom literature hints again. It says there's a purpose for your life that comes not from under the sun, but from beyond it. He says this, Jeremiah 29, 11, popular verse for us. Uh, Jeremiah prophesying to the nation of Israel while they're in captivity, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That says that God has plans. He has plans to prosper you, welfare, not for evil, but to give you hope and a future. God is hinting and he's saying, why are you here? There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for you. You need to ask this question, what is that purpose? Why am I here? Also, Romans 8, 28, you'll be familiar with that one. We know the plans, excuse me, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to what? His purpose, his purpose. So it's pointing this picture. You were created for something more than waking up, go, 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 go to bed. Wake up, go, 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 go to bed. God's got a purpose. Why? Are you here? It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we is workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. He tells us there's a plan that God has for us, a purpose God has for us. Colossians 1.16, For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus. But get this, he says, and for Jesus. Someone beyond the sun, someone beyond your existence, someone that reigns over the universe has a purpose for your life. What is that? What is it? Say, well, hey, listen, let's talk religion here for a second. I just want to go to church and I want to get my worship on. And definitely the friendship. I want to get our feeding bag on. We're going to do that in just a second, right? And then once I leave, we think I'm going to be satisfied with my religious experience. Can I tell you? God says, that's not your purpose. You should definitely be involved in church. That's great. Be faithful to church. That's great. Your purpose is greater than that because you're going to say, well, next Sunday, I guess I need to go back or I feel guilty, right? The concept here for us is this. You are here and God has a purpose for you being here. This is true not for the Christian, but this is true for Every person God's put on the face of this earth. Now, second question is this. If you were asked this question, why am I here? I invite you, put that in your own words. Put that in words that you can understand. Write that out someplace. Maybe jot that down somewhere. Why am I here? 
Well, I'm here too. And let it be your understanding. Maybe your understanding would grow and change through time. That's cool. But right out, here's why I understand. Right now, at this very moment, I understand I'm in this place. At this point in history, I'm here for this purpose. Not to be an all-star necessarily, but I am here to fulfill the purpose that God has for me. Second question, how am I doing? You see, there's this daily balance that this is going to present for us. We see that God has a purpose, and we see that we have to fulfill responsibility. And this is what, what, what scares me to death. Many of us have misdefined this idea of being called by God because we think that being called by God means that you need to leave your family. I've had that one happen to me where people have told me before, hey, I decided that these people are just dragging me down. I'm going to drop them. That's not from Scripture. That's not God's Word. Being called doesn't mean that you get to change families out or get to leave one family and be free from them. No, that's not God's plan for you. That's not God's purpose for you. I've had people say, well, I need, to, I need to leave my job. Being called, I mean called to another job. And I would submit to you this concept. The best place that you can be used by God is where you currently are. So if I go to a better place, then I could be used by God better. What if there's not a better place? You know, Craig Rochelle says this, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but you don't know how much manure that guy's standing in. So be very careful, Christian, because we understand I need to see not how I would do if my circumstances were perfect. We're not called to perfect circumstances. We are called to where we are. And God's purpose for us will be fulfilled today with who we are and where we are. He said, well, I mean, you just don't know. I just, I'm messed up, all right? Do you know that God uses messed up people? In fact, seems to be his favorite kind of people to use. We can't find you know, very many examples. There's really just only one example in all of Scripture where God uses a perfect person, Jesus. Everybody else that God uses are messed up people. So the question is not, what should you be doing? We're talking about, why am I here, right? But now we're looking at this, how am I doing at this idea of daily toil and living for purpose amidst daily toil? Now that's a challenge. Here's what the scripture says, a couple of things for you with this balancing act. Romans 12, 1 is a popular one for sure. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, that's, that's how I am right now today, as a living sacrifice, God use me however you want to, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It says in Ephesians 5, 8, and 10, walk as children of the light and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. See, my pleasing to the Lord is not something that I'm going to have to quit something to do. Pleasing to the Lord is where I am, who I'm surrounded by. I want to please Him here, now. This is my goal, my purpose. How am I doing at that where I am? Last verse, and I love this, is 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Here's the idea. Live a normal life 
fulfilling your responsibility, doing what you are supposed to be doing, but at the same time, do it. Fulfilling the grand purpose God has for your life. Yeah, it's not forsaking my responsibility, but embracing it. And seeing God wants me to be used where He's placed me. That leads me to the third question. Third question is this. What needs to change? What needs to change? If I see God's purpose, and I see perhaps that I'm not doing what I should be doing, if I'm not living, filling with, you know, this is what Jesus tells us, folks, satisfaction. If I don't have in my life this, now, now get this, in Galatians 5, he says the fruit of the Spirit, y'all remember that one? I've got inside of me love and joy. What about my circumstances? Oh, no, same Spirit living inside of me. Love and joy, peace, patience. I always have to pause at that one. I think it should be a period at the end of that one, right? Patience, that's it. You get that, you're good. Patience, kindness, gentleness. These things are living inside of us where we are. They're living inside of us today. And so being a Christian is not some extraordinary adventure necessarily where we're going to go all to foreign countries. Let's all go out to foreign countries. Listen, we need to be mindful of foreign countries and their need for Jesus Christ. We need to be mindful of Ekru and Pontotoc, Union County, Lee County. God saved Mississippi because God, through His Spirit, has begun to live through believers right here. Is that not evidence that perhaps God wants to do something here? Now think about it with me. Is it possible that God's great grand scheme for this community is Him working through us? Or we're going to wake up in the morning, God willing, we are going to go, 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 go. But we're not going to let that be our focus. We're going to see that there are sometimes people around us in our going. And they, they need to see something beyond the sun. We're going to see that there's opportunity that's going to be lying out there for us. And they, hey, that opportunity is something that's been placed there for someone as messed up as I am so that God could use me in that moment. You see, the preacher says this, vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That means that you, Christian, are surrounded by people who aren't Christian, and they think this is it. Wouldn't it be cool if you could introduce them to a concept of a greater purpose for their lives? Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, as we come to you today, we thank you that we do have things like yards and sticks. <laughs> we've, we've got things that continuously, repeatedly, constantly, ongoing, happen in our lives and we're thankful that you give us the toil 
Lord, help us to not be bogged down by the toil, be distracted by the responsibilities that we have, but let us fulfill what we're supposed to fulfill with excellence with your help. Lord, I pray that as you send Friendship Baptist out this week, that you would help them encounter people who need to live for a greater purpose, who need to see a greater purpose for life. Lord, use us. Help us to be aware of when we need to slow down and listen. Lord, help us to be aware of when we need to turn away from something so that we can turn to something, an opportunity you give us. Lord, you guide us through our daily grind. And may that grind, with your help living through us, be the greatest opportunity that we seize this week. Lord, we thank you that we have assurance that there is life beyond this life, life beyond this world. And Lord, if there is anyone here today that's never truly experienced having life change, we ask God that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit, draw them to you, help them to see Help them to know. Help them to seek and ask questions today. Before they leave this place even, let them seek out why they are here on this earth, what you've done to place them here, and even more so, this great thing you've done through sending your son on purpose to die for their sins and to save them from eternal hell. Lord, thank you so much for the purpose you give us. And it's these things we pray in your name.